want to read this scripture from the message version, okay? Continue to listen for the word of God. Then he, Jesus, then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to feel it. He signed on with the citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I, I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him and put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a prize-winning heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. Friends, this still is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. As a thought for today, going home, headed home, let us pray. Oh, gracious and all-wise God, holy God, we give you thanks for this and every day, oh God. We thank you that you woke us up this morning and clothed us in our right mind. You have given us a measure of strength, oh God, so that we would either come to this place, join online, or, oh God, that your spirit would lead us later to watch on delay. For all the ways in which we seek to hear your word, O oh God, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit so that we might hear it indeed, that your word might go deep inside of us and resonate, O oh God, and to shake us up into doing. Because we don't want to just be hearers of your word, O oh God, we want to be doers. So in this time of preaching and teaching, of listening and learning, Holy Spirit, help us to do it all. Help me to preach and your people to hear. And then help us to go out, oh God, to share the word and to live the word. In your son's name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, friends, I don't think anyone plans to mess up. But we can surely make a mess of our lives, can't we? 
I mean, no one takes a trip, goes on a journey, and plans to get lost. But if the truth be told, it can be so easy to lose our way. Even though today we travel with the assistance of GPS, which makes finding our way and reaching our destination so much easier and so much more likely, it is still possible with all of the technology to go in the wrong direction. Have you ever done that? You're going in one direction and the GPS is saying, turn around, turn around. And sometimes we don't get a signal, right? And then we feel totally lost because it just drops and we're like, oh my God, I don't know which way to go. And it can be really hard for some of us to ask for direction. And it can be hard to turn around. And we hate turning around, don't we? We hate asking for directions or finding someone to help us. We don't like asking for help. We can't stand the thought of wasting the time with being lost. I'm willing to bet that most of us, especially those of us who took road trips before GPS, have had an experience or two of being lost on some journey. And maybe some of us even know what it's like to get lost in the journey of the heart. We're only human. And the truth of the matter is that we can so easily get lost. Um, if you go back to that Luke chapter 15, Jesus is hanging out and the, the Pharisees and other people are saying, he's hanging out with sinners. Jesus is like, well, yeah. And Jesus tells three stories about being lost. One is the one of the sheep, and the sheep don't know if you're getting lost. The sheep just eating. You know, sheep ain't too bright. The other one's some, some things get lost in a familiar place. Some people can even get lost in the church, right? At home. The, it's the story of the lost coin. Getting lost happens to the best of us, even those of us who were raised in good homes. Homes where there was plenty of what we needed and what we wanted. Where, where we went to church. I always loved it when parents, when they have a wayward child, they say, I don't know what happened to him, Brad. He was raised in the church. Where we had lots of extracurricular activities, and yet many of us still wandered off and lived lost. It happens, y'all. That's why we shouldn't be so quick to judge those who are living in a state of being lost and who may not know how to be found. The sheep didn't know how to be found. Someone had to go in search of the sheep. But we judge, don't we? So much so that the familiar passage we have before us today in the title, we have already cast judgment on the one we have named the prodigal son. The son who is wasteful. The son who is reckless. The son who is out of control. We think the worst of him, don't we? This youngest son who goes up to this good father who has provided well for he and his brother and asks for his share of his father's estate now. Daddy, you know you're going to die eventually. Man, you might as well give me my money now. You know what I'm saying? Not content to wait for some future date of his father's demise. 
this youngest son seems to be declaring his independence, wanting to strike out on his own into the world. And is there anything really wrong with that? Really? Perhaps as Craig Watts suggests, this youngest son feels restricted by the limits of family life and maybe the household traditions have become oppressive and stifling. Maybe you just think you've outgrown all that. Maybe he wants to just spread his wings, take life by the horn, to see what's out there and, and what he's made of. Maybe he just wants to try something different. Something different other than the weight of the expectations that's thrust upon him. Sometimes I think about my nephew and what it was like to be with us, right? Particularly that other aunt who is this world traveler and this college professor and how you're from the good home and there are all these expectations of how you're supposed to live and how you're supposed to be. That can really stink and get real annoying. What if he were just looking for some adventure and was imagining a life that was less settled, more exciting, a life that was not possible to live at home under the protective and loving and perhaps suffocating rules of his father? Do you mean to tell me that you have never wanted to live life on your own terms? Dreamed of a world beyond that which you already knew? You never wanted to make your own way in the world, to do your own thing, to test your mettle, and maybe even to make your own mistakes. Why is it that we automatically want to cast him as the disrespectful and disobedient son who is only looking to have a good time? And I want you to see that his daddy did just what he asked. His father didn't seem to kick up any dust about it, then why should the rest of us? We assume by what happened to him and how he ended up that we know his motivations. But in reality, we really don't know. Yeah, he made some, okay, okay, so maybe he made a lot of mistakes. But who among us hasn't? Yeah, he fell in with the wrong crowd, but... Who hasn't? Yeah, he got involved with some loose living, but come on, y'all, let's be real now. Who hasn't? You know you did a little something. Maybe your something didn't get known to everybody. Maybe you were able to catch yourself before your something got away from you. But you did a little something, too. I just don't believe that it was his plan to mess up. I don't believe it was his plan to go so far in the wrong direction that he lost his way and that he even lost himself. Maybe he tried to make a go of it. I mean, come on, wouldn't you? But things, life, circumstances got away from him and then turned against him. I mean, who in the world can predict a plan for a famine? What if he just set out to learn who he was apart from his father and ended up where he never planned, wanted, or thought he would be? No six-year-old says, when I grow up, I plan, I want to be an addict. Nobody says that. 
someone says, I want to I want I want to grow up to be homeless. I I know I want to grow up and be a soldier and go to war and be so traumatized by my experience that that I don't know how to live in the world anymore. I want to have mental illness. Nobody says that. All the people we pass on the street who are sitting on corners holding up signs. No one started at six years old saying, that's where I want to be. I want to be on the corner begging money from people. Nobody says that. Jesus doesn't say. But we know when he stopped going in the wrong direction, when he realized just how lost he was. And I like it that Jesus doesn't tell us because we want to give people a timeline. Okay, you can do this for about six months and then you better come to your senses by yourself. The Bible says that he came to his senses when he saw himself when he wanted to eat what the pigs had. He realized just how lost he was. And I don't like that language. I never did. Well, so, you know, somebody got to hit bottom. Who the heck was they? Usually if you hit bottom... You gonna splat. He came to realization about his situation, how he got there, and about himself. He recognized that he was lost, that he was far from the place he needed to be and knew he should be. He had a newfound awareness about where and to whom he belonged. He belonged in his father's house. He was meant to be a part of his father's household. He didn't have to live like this. You know that some people don't know they don't have to live like this. He realized he didn't have to live like this, that there was a better way, a better life. There's some people don't have an experience, y'all, of better. If they don't have an experience of better, or if they've been in that space so long, how are we going to judge them that they don't know that there's a better way? This youngest son now understood that life apart from his father and his identity as his son was not the life that he wanted not the life that was good for him, not the kind of life that he was intended to live, not the kind of life that his father wanted him to live. And in fact, this was no life at all. This wasn't living. And so he reasoned, he talked to himself. And you, we got to be careful about the way we talk to ourselves. He reasoned 
to himself that being a servant in his father's house was preferable to the life he was currently living. Uh, how does the psalmist say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I don't need a high position, Lord. I'd rather just be a doorkeeper in your house. As long as I'm in your house, God. He, he, he convinced himself, he convinced himself that after all he had done and, and the way he had acted and the way he had gone up to his dad and all the stuff he did, he convinced himself that he was no longer worthy to be treated as a son. He was no longer worthy to be called a child of the father. He was no longer worthy and deserving of being considered a child of such a good, good Father, there are people out there who think they, they done done too much. With that in his head and his heart that I done done too much, man, you know, you messed up. <laughs> he decided to make the trip back home. And even if his daddy wouldn't receive him as a servant, he knew his dad was good enough that he can just help me to be, as a son, then I can just be a servant. Even if I could just be a servant, God. And I'm certain the decision to go home wasn't an easy one. But it shouldn't be that way, y'all. It just seems to me that wherever life's journey takes us, whatever roads of disobedience, addiction, abuse, poor choices that we go down, we should always be able to come home. We should always know that there is one place, one place where we will always be wanted and welcome. And to me, of course, uh, if you may not have a home home to go to, but you ought to be able to have a church, the body of Christ, that ought to welcome you. Don't care what road you went down. But you know how we are and how we can be. We may let you come back, but it's not always going to be a warm welcome. <laughs> There may not be rejoicing and celebration, but condemnation and criticism. You can come back. Those of us at home have to give up our need to be right. Some of us would rather be right than righteous. I told you so. <laughs> I told you they'd never... Can you imagine Christ's followers saying that? But for the one who needs to come home, they have to get past how they left. The son probably had to get past how he left with such fanfare, right? How he told all his friends, man, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Y'all can stay here if you want to, but I'm getting out of Dodge. 
I'm sure as he was walking home, he was remembering this. And look, look at where you are now. You did all of that. You said all of that. You did all that talking. And look where you are now. Look what you have now. Nothing. You have nothing to show for all the money. You have nothing to show for all the talk. Nothing to show for your dreams. People got to get past the negative self-talk the negative and destructive self-talk that the adversary whispers in their ears. See? Told you we're never going to get nothing. See? Told you couldn't do it. See? We all need to have some humility. Do you know how we can be? All of us. We know everything. <laughs> We think we all got it going on, that we can handle whatever comes our way. Some of us never, never, ever, ever will ask for help. We'll help you, okay? But we won't receive any help. What is that? In going home, he may have to eat some crow. You can imagine as, as he was walking and maybe some of the people, he's going back the same road he went down, he's going home, and you can imagine some of the people like, oh, look what the cat dragged in. Oh, oh look at him. Where them fine clothes you left him with? You ain't even got on no shoe. Oh, oh yeah. You know, he can. We got to have some humility. It ought to be okay to say I messed up. It ought to be okay to say, I was wrong. It ought to be okay to say, I need help. We may have to get past our fear in order to go home, our fear of failing. Some people won't do anything because they're fear of failing. It ought to be okay to fail. Shouldn't be Christ people judging you, but people going to judge. Got to get over it. Got to get past that. We got to get over our fear of accountability. That's that nobody can't tell you nothing. Well, if, if I can't sow into your life, if I can't speak a word to you to help you, to exhort you, to encourage you, then what good am I? And the wisdom that God has gifted us. <clears throat> We need to get past our fear of missing out. <clears throat> That's usually more, I don't think us old people care about missing out because we're just glad to still be in the number, amen? But, but when you're young, you're always looking at what your friend's doing, right? right? How many of you, when you were younger, went up to your mom and dad and said, well, so-and-so's mama let them do it, and what did your mama say? Oh, well, I ain't so-and-so's mama. what a good parent would say. But there's this fear of missing out. That's the grass is always greener on the other side, right? The grass is always greener with that other group of people. The grass, but you don't know what they're using to make that grass green, okay? 
fear of what others might think or say. They got something they think is ugly. Let them treat it. We need to know that it took a lot to make the trip home. I've, I had my friend Jada Charlie here, and when Jada came to talk about, I know, like people who are being abused, we judge them, but I don't know why they won't leave. Takes at least seven times. Takes at least seven times. People who are addicted, it takes at least, that's the minimum, seven times. It's not easy to go home. It's not easy to make the trip home. It takes a whole lot, and we who are at home, maybe, shouldn't underestimate the work, the energy, the mental, spiritual work that it takes to go in that direction and to keep going. Friends, I don't know where any of you are on life's journey, and those of you who are watching online, I don't know. You may be at this very moment living lost and you have allowed your pride or your fear to keep you from going home. Maybe, maybe at home there are people, maybe at your, your home home, your, your family home, maybe there are people like the older brother. You are welcome and wanted in the heart and arms of God. You are welcomed and wanted by a God who has prepared a place for you. God wants your home. God wants your home. The good, good Father who loves you, who sent his son Jesus into the world, not only to die, but to live for you, to show you what was possible, but who died and was raised, who sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us right this very minute. That God, that Father, if you don't have a daddy down here who will love you, that Father wants you home, wants you to come home from the far country and will just rejoice. Well, just celebrate that you're coming home. Doesn't want to hear all the stuff. No, doesn't want you to give the little spiel. I like it how the message said that the father was so busy rejoicing that he didn't hear all that stuff the son was saying. The son never got to ask to be a servant because the father was too happy to welcome his son. You cannot have gone too far. You can never do too much wrong that God will not welcome and want you home. I don't care what some of them church people have said. Because maybe they're not at home like you think. Maybe, maybe you are the one waiting and longing for someone you love to come home to return, to, to come to their senses while you wait. And I know it's not easy to wait. I waited for my nephew, the person I knew God had gifted us with because the world took away one Therald Elliot and God and God's goodness gave us back another one. I know what it's like to wait. I remember telling God, it's 10 years. I'm tired of praying. But while we wait, been there. I got a great nephew still praying. While you wait, I need you to know 
how hard it is for the prodigal to come home. It's not easy to come home from the far country. It's not easy to come home to take that first step. It's not easy to come to keep coming in the direction of home while you're waiting to welcome. This is your season of preparing your heart through prayer. Are you praying? Are people you joining with others? Are you interceding? This is time to prepare your heart to receive and forgive them with the compassion of the Father. And that's not just tolerating. To have compassion of the Father is to just welcome, forgive, and let it be. That takes, that takes some work, y'all. That takes some spiritual work on our part to not ever be tempted to bring it up. You remember when, you know, that just a woman to just be so heavy that they're home? Yeah. That's the Father. And for all of us who are Christ followers, all of us who say that we are disciples or that we are compassionate servants who are God-centered, led by the Holy Spirit. For all of us, we need to get and keep our own hearts and minds ready to receive and rejoice over anyone. I don't care if they're not your family member. I don't care who it is. Over anyone who wants to come home, home to the faith, who wants to come from the far country, home to the fellowship of believers? <clears throat> it is not our place to say, well, you know, yeah, the church can be such a hurtful place. I, can't, I think it's, I can't remember if it's Tony Campolo or Max Ricardo who tells the story of working with a woman who was um, a sex worker. And she had been using her toddler. And the minister went up to her and was like, what have you thought about going to church? And she looks at him and says, well, I feel bad enough about myself. And I even told my mom, I said, either my sister Chrysandra was the biggest preemie on the face of the earth <laughs> that you should have called Ripley's, believe it or not. Or you got pregnant before you got married. I did the church at Gilbert because they made the girls do that. I did the roll call because I could do the math. Why do we do that, y'all? Why do we forget that I'm once with the Lord? 
And your loss may not be like somebody else's loss, but you can't be saved unless you were lost. Amen? If you, were say, if you stand here today and tell me that you are saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, that means that at one point in time you were lost. In my church, my home church, they would say, I was lost in a world of sin. Jesus came, Jesus came, and he took me in. I was lost, I was lost. Yeah, you were lost. You didn't live right. You didn't tell the truth all the time. You didn't love fully. I don't care if you didn't do drugs. I don't care if you never danced in a club. You had to have been lost or else you wouldn't need saving. And we all need saving because we're all sinners. Just because your sin don't manifest like somebody else's sin don't make you any better. Sinners, every one of us. And if we would remember that God forgave and forgives us because we keep sinning. Don't tell me you don't have no negative thoughts. Don't tell me you may not sit and look at her. I can't believe she done walked up in here with that on. You may not say it, but if you thought it, you said it. It's just as good. You may not tell so-and-so that you're coveting their car or their handbag or their husband or spouse, their wife. Okay. But doing it is evil. It is evil. You may have negative thoughts about each other. About me, it's a sin. Murmuring and complaining, sin. Pride, sin. Laziness, sin. Not serving in the church, sin. Uh, uh huh. All of it. So where are we? Have no place to judge. We should be so thankful that we are home. That when somebody else comes home, we ought to just rejoice. And y'all, we got to get our hearts right there too to be able to do that, to be able to love people like that. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen.